Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Well, if you don't like this, you should try a dead church. (laughs) All right, y'all go ahead and get it out of your system. Go on. Go on. I feel better now. (laughs) Uh, This morning I want to speak to you on the subject, Do You Believe? And in the last couple of years, I've preached through a number of books in the New Testament. We've been all the way through the book of Colossians. That was a wonderful journey. We went through verse by verse. Uh, the books of First Peter, Second Peter, I mean First John, Second John, Third John, and then we also went through the book of Jude, all the way through Jude, and then we went all the way through the book of James, and these uh, these Bible-centered studies are just amazing, and it's what we keep coming back to. Uh, uh, before that, we went all the way through the book of Revelation. And, and I love those studies. And right now, we are in a study of 1 Thessalonians. And we've made our way all the way to the fourth chapter. But the Lord has interrupted that study, at least for me. And how many of you know that when the Lord wants to talk about something other than what you're talking about, you should change the subject? Yeah. Yes, just time. Just time. And so, so I promise you, we will come back uh, to 1 Thessalonians and we will finish it. But for now, and I've done this for the last couple of weeks, and I, I want to continue, uh, I have to just share with you what's on my heart and what God's doing with me. Fourteen days ago, I began a, a new and fresh uh, and exciting walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's just been uh, more exciting and wonderful than I can even tell you. I wouldn't call it revival yet, but it sure feels like that's what's in the making. That revival is on its way. Amen. Now, it all, it all began uh, with me through a simple act of rededication. And the reason I rededicated my life was because I realized that I was not hearing the voice of the Lord. 
Now, I was still praying every day. I was still reading my Bible every day. I was still doing my devotions. I was still coming to church every day. I mean, not every day, but, you know, <laughs> you get the point. Uh, I, I'm fellowshipping with Christians, but I realized that I was not hearing that fresh and wonderful and energizing word of the Lord where he speaks to his children personally. And, and, and Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so I got to tell you, when, when you finally wake up and realize I'm hearing the preacher's voice, and I'm hearing the teacher's voice, and I'm hearing everybody else's voice, but I'm not hearing the Lord's voice, that's, it's time to do something right then. And, and so I did. To put it in the simplest of terms, this is what I did two weeks ago before I came to church that Sunday morning, is I repented and I rededicated my life. I repented and rededicated my life. And I just, yeah, yeah. And immediately I started hearing the voice of the Lord again. Now, it wasn't real loud and real clear at first, and that was my problem, not his problem. But it's been getting better and better and better every day. And I got to tell you, these uh, last uh, two weeks have been two good and wonderful weeks. <clears throat> my Bible study time is more like an encounter with God than just reading my Bible. And that's, that's big. That's big league. And, and my prayer time has not just been something I, I would do in the mornings and do in the evening. It's more like a constant, all-day-long communion with the Father. And I, I got to tell you, I, I got Holy Ghost bumps just saying that. I, I, mean, I mean, that, to be in communion, to be intimate, to be in fellowship with the Lord and to feel that sense of spiritual growth is, is exciting. My fellowship with other Christians has just been amazing. It, it has been wonderful. I didn't know you folks were so great. And I, 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 I've always loved our staff, but man, they are just beautiful. And the leadership in this church, I mean, I'm loving what God's doing in my heart, opening my eyes, opening my ears. I, I just want to tell you, everything is changing with me right now. And it feels good. I've said this a thousand times. We should never base our faith on feelings. But thank God our faith is not devoid of feelings. That real faith is something you can feel. And you can know it. And um, so, so I, I've come to the conclusion. I believe this more strongly now than ever before. That when a person really starts hearing the voice of the Lord. Everything changes. Everything changes. And I tell you, everything's been changing in my life. And uh, some, some of it is uh, good and exciting. Some of it is, is, is testing me. I, I can't tell you in the last two weeks how many times I've started to do something or say something, and the Holy Spirit has said no. And I, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to keep my mouth shut when I want to say something. I mean, that's a real test for me. And, 
And the Holy Spirit said no. And I haven't said it. And then there have been a few times when I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, speak up. I want you to say something. Now's the time, right now. And, and the question is, will we obey him? I was in Tallahassee. There was a woman. I was in a crowd of people. There was a woman standing right in front of me. I do not even know her name. I don't know her. And the Holy Spirit said, pray for her right here. And I got to tell you, I'm pretty bold. But boy, that felt uncomfortable. And the Holy Spirit said, now. Now here's what I knew. I knew in my heart that if I walked away from that situation and didn't do it, that I would grieve the Holy Spirit. I knew that I would be in disobedience to the Holy Spirit. And with fear and trembling, and I'm not, I'm not using that lightly, with fear and trembling, I reached out my hand and I did like that. And this woman, I didn't know her name. She put her hand in my hand. I said, honey, do you pray? She said, yes. I said, can I pray with you? She said, yes. And I prayed with her right there. And we prayed together. And I prayed a blessing. I prayed a blessing over her. And, uh, and I, I just got to tell you, I didn't hear these words, but I tell you how, how I felt when I walked away from that situation. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, thank you. Thank you for obeying me. Thank you for hearing my voice. And, and it just keeps getting loud. Everything's changing with me. The other night I went to Friendship Baptist Church to hear Pastor Bill Jenkins preach. And I'm sitting there listening to him preach. I'm not making this up. I'm sitting there listening to him preach and I'm thinking this is the greatest sermon I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, honestly. I'm thinking this is the greatest sermon. I, and I, I, I said, Lord, why hasn't he always been preaching like this? And here's what the Lord said to me. I'm serious. The Holy Spirit whispered in my ear and said, He's been preaching like that the whole time. It's you that's different tonight. You're the one who's different. Now you have ears to hear. Thus saith the Lord. And I was hanging on every word that was flowing through Him. What a powerful... He preached on not limiting the Holy One of Israel. Oh, that was a great message, brother. It was a great message. I'm, I'm listening these days. And so, um, but I, I, I just got to tell you, some good things are going on. Now, the question is, do you believe and are you hearing the voice of the Lord? Now, in the world, if you tell people you're hearing voices, they will think you're schizophrenic. And that you have some real serious problems. But according to the Word of God, as Christians, if we are not hearing voices, something is wrong. Jesus said not once, not twice, not three times, but multiple times in the Gospels and in the book of Revelation, He said, you know what I'm about to say, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Oh, friends, we better be hearing some voices. These old physical bodies of ours, we need to be hearing a spiritual voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of our Heavenly Father, the voice of our dear Savior, as He speaks to us 
And so, uh, man, I've been hearing the voice of the Lord. Now, one of the areas where the Spirit has been speaking to me is in the area of believing. And I'm not talking about casual belief. I'm talking about really believing, truly believing. Most of us have been through the Truth Project, and if you've not been through the Truth Project, you want to sign up for it. It's one of the the great teachings available through this church. Uh, But you've heard Dale Tackett ask this question, do you really believe that what you believe is really real? And I've been confronted with that all over again. Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? And the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me about belief. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, about believing. Do you believe? Now, I want to ask you to do something. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) I want to ask you to do something that those of you who have been here a long time, you remember me doing this a few times. Um, And it's not normally what you hear a preacher ask you to do. But would you please close your Bibles? Would you put your cell phone down or your smart pad or iPad or whatever you call them, uh, if that's what you're using. Get everything out of your hand and, and just close it up. And I want you to listen to the Word of God. I'm going to quote some Scripture for you, and then after I quote this Scripture for you, then I'll tell you where it's found, and you can turn to it, and we'll go from there. <clears throat> but sometimes if we'll just listen to the Word of God, it will change us. We'll hear things we haven't heard when we just read it or we see it on the screen up here. So here goes. Here's the scripture. Now, the setting for this scripture is early on the morning of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that first Sunday morning when he came up out of the grave alive. Uh, Easter Sunday morning, if you please. That's the setting. Now, here's what the Scripture says. I'll quote it. I'll go real slow because I want you to listen. But I want you to hang on to every time I use the word belief or unbelief. Because that's the focus of this passage of Scripture, and sometimes we miss it. Now, here's what the Scripture says. Now, when He rose early on the first day of the week. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared to two of them in another form as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest. But they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, 
And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who, say it with me, believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Amen. That's how it ends. Those are the last 12 verses in the Gospel of Mark. Mark 16, 9 and following. Now, first of all, let me say that there are some people who say those verses should not even be in the Bible. But I have to tell you, that's a little bit too convenient for me when we just start taking stuff out of the Scriptures just because it doesn't line up with our theology. I can't go there. You may, but I can't go there. I believe this is the Word of God. And I believe it's there for a reason. I believe it's there for our learning. If you want to take your Bibles and turn to Mark the 16th chapter, you can. I won't read it again, but I'll refer to it a number of times in the next few moments. Mark 16, beginning in verse 9. So, I want to just talk about this and this belief thing. First of all, and we'll hit on some other things, uh, some things that I think are noteworthy. But it says, now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene first, out of whom he had cast seven demons. I looked up other passages of Scripture. The Bible constantly tells us in two or three places that she had demons. And those demons had been cast out of her. And, and for some reason, our Lord Jesus Christ reveals himself first to a woman who's been demon-possessed. Now, if you're not sure if God can use you because of some of the things you've done and because of some of the ways you've lived and some of the things that have happened in your life, then you need to hear what I'm about to say. Mary Magdalene was a prominent member of the ministry team of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before that, she had seven demons. She was demon-possessed. I, I, I don't know if you realize this or not, and we don't even like to talk about demons in our culture, but demons are ugly, demons are nasty, demons are filthy, demons are immoral, demons are ungodly, and anybody who's operating under the influence of, of a demon is doing some ugly, ungodly, immoral, filthy, terrible, tragic stuff. That's what demons do. 
And I believe there's a lot of them at work in America today. But here's the point. She met Jesus. He cast those demons out. He cleaned her up. He saved her. He changed her life. And she became a part of the ministry team. So whatever excuse you're using not to serve the Lord God, I just want to tell you, one touch from our blessed Savior will take every excuse away that you've ever had. And for you to say, I can't do that, I can't go there, I can't be what God wants me to be and do what God wants me to do because of sin or because of what has happened in my life, you are discrediting the power of Almighty God and what Jesus can do and how the blood can wash us clean and get everything out of our lives. Now, when it comes to Mary Magdalene, I want you to understand something. She is a prominent member of the ministry team of the Lord Jesus Christ. I found perhaps more in the Bible, but I found 12 places in the Bible where it calls her by name and talks about Mary Magdalene. I realize that her name is mentioned more times in the Bible than some of the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. She was a prominent member of the ministry team. And here's something else that you need to get your brain around. And if you want to write something down, please don't turn there now. But Luke, the 8th chapter, you might want to write that down. You'll learn something in Luke, the 8th chapter. But sometimes because these, these movies we've watched, and I love these Christian movies and I think they're wonderful, but be careful that when you read the Bible, you let the Bible speak to you and say what the Bible says. Don't let the pictures and the movies drown out what the Scripture says. You got me? Very, very important. Sometimes we get this image that Jesus and His twelve disciples were walking through the country and they're just a little group of guys and they're walking and going from city to city and town to town. That's not what the Scripture says. If you go back and read Luke, the 8th chapter, here's what you'll find out. It says Jesus went from town to town and city to city and village to village and the twelve went with Him and certain women went with Him and many others went with Him and provided for Him. I'm telling you, there was an entourage. There was a ministry team. And... And it says the twelve certain women, women went along with them. And there were those who went just for the purpose of ministering. Somebody had to cook. Somebody had to clean. Somebody had to take care of things while they were going from city to city and town to town. Now here's the interesting thing. In the Gospel of Luke, we read when it gives us that list of all those people, the twelve disciples, many others, certain women. Do you know the only one named in that list is Mary Magdalene? She's the only one name. Why? Because she was a prominent figure on the ministry team. She is one of the main characters in the gospel narrative. Mary Magdalene, out of whom had been cast seven demons, is now on the ministry team. They walked with her. They taught with her. They ministered with her. She was there with them. She was not a stranger. She was not an alien. She was not somebody off on a different tangent. She was one of them. And she showed up and she said, He's alive and I've seen Him. But they did not believe her. Doesn't it just break your heart? 
And then it says, after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest. These two disciples, it's not real clear, it's not crystal clear who they are. One of them was named Cleopas. And we're not real sure who he was, a lot of speculation. We know he was a disciple of the Lord. Not, I don't think he was one of the twelve unless he was using another name. And then it says there was another disciple. We don't know a lot about these two except they were disciples, obviously a part of the grand team that went about and Jesus appeared to them and they hurried. They were on the road and another gospel tells us they were on the road to Emmaus and they go back into Jerusalem hurriedly and they said, we've seen him, he's alive. He's alive. We walked with him. But they did not believe them either. You, you understand <clears throat> that there's three eyewitnesses here and they, from their own group, there's some serious unbelief going on right here. Now, if you're here today and you struggle with belief, if you struggle with believing what you hear from the pulpit and, and, and what you hear others testify about, and sometimes even what you hear in the Word of God, I, I want to give you a little bit of comfort. You're in good company. They walked with Him for three years and they still didn't believe. When the testimonies came in, they just didn't believe. Then it says in the Scriptures, He had appeared to Mary, He appeared to the two on the Emmaus Road. <clears throat> and then the Scripture says this, Later, He appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. Can you imagine how they must have felt? He appears in the room, they see him, they know he's alive. They, uh, he interacts with them, and they see him. But the first thing that comes out of his mouth is it says he rebukes their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. You talk about mixed emotions. My Savior is alive. I'm getting rebuked. Because I didn't believe. And then if you're not careful, if you're not real careful at this point in the story, you'll just step to something else, but the subject doesn't change. And, and this is what he does. He, he says to them, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Do you understand that Jesus is telling them to go into the world and at the heart and at the center of their ministry, they will have to minister the one area where they just failed. Are you with me? They've just failed the belief test. They missed it. And now He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. <clears throat> and it is believing those who believe and are baptized will be saved. And those who do not believe will be condemned. But basically what he's saying to them, if you think about it, the people you preach to are going to have to pass a test that you just failed. And on one occasion Jesus did say, greater are those who believe who have not seen. 
This is serious business, isn't it? Now, uh, I want to share with you a couple things here about the salvation part. He says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, we can talk about baptism later, and some people will know, does baptism save you? And I don't think it does, but I also don't think it makes sense that anybody on the planet would be saved and refuse to be baptized. That just doesn't... Why would you say, I want to believe, but now I'm not going to obey what I'm told to believe? It's just inconsistent. So, but we're not going to talk about baptism. We're going to talk about belief. Those who believe and are baptized will be saved. Listen very carefully, because I'm going to hear something that I feel you need to hear, I know I needed to hear this, the Christian life does not begin with salvation. Don't run for the door. The Christian life does not begin with salvation. It begins with believing. That's where it begins. Now, you cannot enter the kingdom of God without a salvation experience. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are the words of Jesus. Said what he meant, meant what he said. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven without a salvation experience. But that does not change the fact that salvation, our Christian life doesn't begin with salvation. It begins by believing. It begins the moment you start believing. Some of you out here today may be thinking about getting right with God. Don't complicate it. Just start with believing. That's where it starts. You just start believing. The moment you start believing, God starts working. The question is, do you believe with all your heart? That's the question. If you're not sure about your salvation... If you're back and forth, if you don't know what you should do, listen, don't try to figure salvation out. Trust me, none of us ever have figured it out. You need to go to the one area where Jesus told His disciples to start ministering, and you need to say, do I believe and do I believe with all my heart? And that's the real question. Let me give you a couple of examples. Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail... They are there in the Philippian jail. They're singing and praising God. It's about midnight. Uh, earthquake comes, doors open, shackles fall. Uh, the prison guard knows something supernatural is going on. And he comes in and he says to the Apostle Paul and to them, he said, What must I do to be saved? And Paul said, Well, we have a soul winning course and you have to go through that soul winning course. And, and then you have to learn the four spiritual laws. And then you have to pray this prayer this way. And you have... No. No. This is what he said. Then Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. That's all he said. That's it. Now, I understand that we have a casual, anemic type of belief today that doesn't line up with the Scriptures, but I'm telling you, he said, if you believe with all your heart, you'll be saved and your whole house will get saved. See, the question is not, are you saved? The question is, do you believe? Because if you believe, let me tell you, you will be saved. Those two go together. It's not the only place in Scriptures. Philippian, excuse me, uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. You remember they were in the chariot? 
Philip is ministering to him. And then in the conversation, I've been in a few conversations like this, uh, the, the eunuch stopped him and he said, he, he, he said, here's water. Can I be baptized? I bet you there's somebody here today and you're wondering, should I be baptized? Can I be baptized? Here's water. Can I be baptized? You know what he was told? Philip told him, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. You want to know if you can be baptized today? If you believe with all of your heart, you may. You see, these biblical writers were not missing something. They got it. If you believe with all of your heart. Now, we teach the plan of salvation. We have a soul winning class. I recommend you go to it. I recommend that you learn it. It's very important. But you have to understand that it all begins with believing. I mean, believing with all of your heart. One of the scriptures we teach in our salvation class here is Romans 10.9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Let me slow it down. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, say, He is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Say, Amen, if you believe God raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Well, I guess Paul forgot to put all of those stipulations and qualifications in there, didn't he? No. No. My little grandson was in the class, Brother Bill's class. He started learning scriptures and his dad was helping him and he learned the plan of salvation. He got stuck on this verse. You confess with your mouth. And you believe in your heart, you get saved. He was worried about some of his little buddies at school. What grade's Kyle? What grade was he in? First grade. First grade. Starts telling people at school, I, I, I'll tell you how to get saved if you want to get saved. Some of them said they weren't interested and he didn't pay any mind. Some of them said they were. One little boy said, Yeah, yeah, I want to be saved. He said, Okay. He said, I want you to say right out loud, Jesus is Lord. Little boy said, Jesus is Lord. He said, now do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Little boy said, yeah, I believe God raised him from the dead. I believe he's alive. Kyler went home and told his dad, he said, he got saved. <clears throat> you say, wait just a minute, pastor. Wait, no way. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure that we have to embellish and add to and pick out 14 different passages of Scripture in the Bible, put them all together and walk somebody through a maze? Or is it possible that Jesus died on the cross and paid our sin debt so that we could make a choice and believe with our hearts and confess with our mouths and the moment that happens, something supernatural takes place and God steps in and salvation is on its way. See, that's what, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I, I'm convinced that one day I'm going to be up in heaven and some guy's going to walk up to me and he said, I just want to thank you and River of Life and, and your whole church. He said, I was in that first grade class and your grandson made me say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. 
And he asked me to believe that God raised him from the dead. And I believed it. And I can't really explain it, but from that day on, God started dealing with my heart and it never stopped until I had a genuine salvation experience and he became Lord. But that was where it started. Friends, we need to stop complicating this thing. In the Bible, it just says believe. Now you... Amen. Let me give you another. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. John 1.12 says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on His name. That's what it says. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on His name. The Bible tells us that if you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He will give you the power to become a son of God, a child of God. I like that. You see, you do the believing and the receiving. He does the power and the changing part. He gets involved. And, 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 and that's, what, that's what He does. It's our part to receive and believe. It's His part to save us. And to change us. Friends, I believe what I'm about to say with all my heart. If you receive, if you receive the message of salvation, the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ, if you receive that, and you believe it with all of your heart, all the demons in hell couldn't stop you from getting saved. All the demons in hell can't stop that process. You may have a dozen demons running around in your head and your heart, but the moment you start receiving and believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation is on its way. The work of God begins. A, a process starts in your life. Maybe it's instantaneous. Maybe it's over a few months. But something happens and salvation is yours and an old life ends. Now I know what somebody's going to ask me. They're going to ask me after the service. So pastor, we do not have to have a born again experience. Are you telling me we don't have to have a born again experience? Listen very carefully because I'm going to answer that question. That is a born again experience. The moment you start believing with all of your heart, the moment the power of God begins to work in your life, the moment God starts changing you from the inside out, that is a salvation experience. And that's the reason we say in this church we believe a gen that genuine salvation equals a changed life. That God changes you. He changes you. So I want to just say to you that if you... Uh, are not sure of your salvation, if you want to nail it down once and for all, if you, want to, if you want to get this doubt out of your mind once and for all, then you need to take your eyes off the experience and you need to put your eyes on your Savior and make up your mind that you love Him and trust Him and receive Him with all of your heart. If you can love Him and receive Him and trust Him with all of your heart and not be saved, then He's not the Savior. You see, He's a good Savior. You believe in Him? You trust Him? Alright, i got ten minutes to talk to you about a bunch of other stuff. So listen fast, okay? <laughs> listen fast. So that's the salvation part. In other words, they failed the belief test. 
now they've got to preach to other people, you've got to pass this test to be saved. You've got to believe. But then he goes on to say, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And you are real curious about what I'm going to say next. I can see it in your faces. Well, that's what the Scripture says. Now, I, 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 in my heart, I believe we have two different groups in the house right now. We have two different groups. We have one group of people in the house who are saying, Oh no. Oh no, here we go. Here we go. They're going to start casting out demons. They're going to start trying to get everybody to speak in tongues. Somebody's going to bring the snakes in. <laughs> Somebody's going to bring poison in so we can test this thing out. We're going to start laying hands on everybody that's got in growing toenails. <laughs> Some of you are already thinking, I, I wonder what that church down the road will be like. Maybe... It, Maybe I need to visit. Now that's one group. We have another group in this church. And the other group in this church is saying, yes, it is about time. It is about time. We're going to start casting out demons. I mean, every Sunday, we may not even get to preach in this church. We're going to cast demons out every Sunday. We're going, to be, I, uh, we're going to see somebody. They may not even know they got a demon. We're just going to start casting demons out of them. I'm going to get that demon out of you, sister. I'm going to get that demon out of you, brother. We're going to get everybody in this church to speak in tongues. And we're going to bring those snakes in. And we're going to start... We're going to start taking up the serpent and drinking the poison. And we're going to start praying over everybody. Man, it's going to get good at River of Life. I don't know which group you're in. And frankly, I don't care. (laughs) But here's what I want to tell you, friends. For either group to be thinking that way is to completely miss the passage of Scripture. This Scripture is not about casting out demons. It's not about speaking in new tongues. It's not about taking up the serpent. It's not about drinking deadly poison. Hold on, stay with me now. Because it sounds like I'm contradicting the Scriptures, but I'm not. It's not about that. It's not about laying hands on the sick and them recovering. That's not the emphasis of the passage of Scripture. The emphasis in this passage of Scripture is those who believe and are baptized will be saved, and those who truly believe these signs will follow them in the wake of their lives as they believe and put their faith in the Lord, there will be signs and wonders and miracles that will take place. And I, for one, do not believe that's a complete list. I believe that list is strictly symbolic. I believe the fact is that when people start believing, and one of the ways we know people are really believing in Christ is when they really start believing supernatural things begin to follow in the wake. And, and i got to tell you, I mean, i got to tell you, I think there will be times when demons will be driven from the hearts and lives and homes of 
people because we believe. And I believe sometimes people will speak in tongues. And I believe that snakes and poison and guns and terrorists and diseases will not be able to stop those who believe from carrying out the work of God. And I believe that there will be times when somebody will come into the service and two or three people lay hands on them and bam, the power of God will heal them. But I want you to hear me well, friends. The last thing I want on planet earth, I'm talking for me and my wife and my house and my family, the last thing I want on planet earth is to be in a church that's pursuing any of those things. I do not want to be in a church that's pursuing any of those things. I want to be in a church that's pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ, believing, believing that when I pursue Him and believe in Him and trust Him with all of my heart, I'm just not going to be shocked at all when I turn around and look and there's a miracle back there. A wonder. A marvel. Something supernatural. And i got to tell you, I'm just 14 days into this new walk, but I'm starting to look behind me already. (laughs) I'm not going after those things. We're not going to line everybody up and try to cast demons at them this morning. We're not going to do any of this stuff. But what I want you to do is join me as your pastor and let's start believing like we've never believed before. Let's believe in the Almighty. Let's put our faith in Him. And let Him take care of the signs and wonders and miracles. And by the way, if you didn't catch that last part of it, said after He ascended into heaven, this is what it says. It says, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the Word through the accompanying signs. You see, we'll let God take care of that part. By the way, if He tells you to lay hands on somebody, go do it. So, let me, let me wrap this up. So, I've been in this scripture now for a while. And the other day, uh, two of my grandchildren were at the house. Uh, my little grandson, Henry, was there in Liliana. Now, Henry's a weird child. <laughs> and what I mean by that is Henry gets up at an ungodly hour. I've never seen a child just gets up so early in the morning. Well, anyway, I got up early and I went and made me a cup of coffee. I didn't even know he was up. And I went to my chair, got my Bible, and I sit down. And as soon as I started drinking coffee, Henry comes in. I was wondering when you were going to get up. I'm glad you're up. I said, okay, well, just sit down and be quiet. Henry does not sit down and be quiet. And I'm thinking, I can't do this. What am I going to do? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, call him over here. So I called him over. I made him sit in my lap, open my Bible. I said, you're reading this morning. Henry, come up here with me. Would you just stand with me? Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Woo! Come here. Sometimes I ask Henry, I'll say, Henry, do you think I love you more than the rest of the grandchildren because your name's Henry or just because you're better? And Henry says, just because I'm better. 
And so, hey, will you stand with here just a minute? I look a lot better when you stand by my side. But anyway, so Henry comes over and sits in my lap. You remember the morning we were reading the Bible there? And so I said, okay, we're going to start at verse 9. And we begin in verse 9, and he reads all the way through. And when we got to the end of the chapter, he read the last word in the chapter. You know what the last word is? Amen. Amen. You remember what you asked me? Henry asked me, he said, Papa, was this a prayer? And I said, no. Why would you think it's a prayer? He said, because it says amen at the end. Now, I knew why the Holy Spirit had him sit in my lap. And I said, no, amen is something we use at the end of a prayer, but amen means, amen means so be it. It means let it be. It means let it come to pass. It means I'm in full agreement. It means I'm ready for this thing to take place. Amen means let's go. Let's do it. And God, God used my grandson here to teach me something. Because when the Bible says that if you believe and are baptized, you will be saved. And these signs will follow those who believe. And it gives those signs. And we're to go out and preach the Word believing that the Lord will confirm that Word through the accompanying signs. And then it says, Amen. I thought, my job is to say, Amen. My job is to say, I won't get in the way. I won't limit the Holy One of Israel. Amen to what you're ready to do in my life and in this church. Amen in the name of Jesus. Give me a hug. I love you both. You think about it. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.